Hello, Silvertown. Welcome to the wonderful, amazing world of sobriety. Let's get on that Silvertown and ride. I'm um, here with Elaine Schuyler Neal. Yes, and I'm here with Sarah Malloy, who is putting old Laney granny pads in her four inch heels. That's me. <laughs> Not granny pads. That sounds like a menstrual product. <laughs> yeah, no, no. They're like, they're like cushion pads in shoes. Are you going to be coming out with the Sober Baddies uh, stiletto brand? Yes, that's awesome. Yep. They'll have um, spikes on the tips, on the toes, so I can kick alcohol in the nuts. I thought you were going to say so I could kick the drunks out of my way. <laughs> oh, and, that. and that. Get out of my way, <laughs> drunk kick. <laughs> it's like, yeah, dude, you gotta keep it. Yeah, we could change the opening of this podcast to be like strutting down the runway of sobriety. <laughs> Fucking A. Like, I feel like sobriety is a lot like the, like, it's super badass. It's a hundred millimeter heel height. Like, you got to keep it. You, I mean, it's super badass. It's hardcore, but you also got to like look out for your comfort, you know, and you got to put yourself first. So you go to Target with your kids and you get those little stick in gel pads and then you can march. There you go. See now, oh, what's a hundred milliliters? Or wait, not milliliters. Millimeters. Milliliters, <laughs> milliliters in height. That's yeah. Heel height. Nice. Oh, those are cool. Those yep. have to be like three inches. At least. Yeah, I think it's four. I'm, I'm telling you, most, I'm usually comfortable in three. Making some changes to these. If I had to wear four-inch heels and walk across the room, I would not trust myself to not fall over. <laughs> Even you would look like a newborn giraffe yeah i just haven't worn <laughs> heels in forever since i was like 22 uh, yeah no. i'm wearing slippers right now <laughs> yeah and that's that's sobriety you, you know? we can it's have like... the stilettos brand and the and the slippers brand of sober yeah <laughs> totally and that's what i love about sobriety it's not you know <laughs> you're either all badass or all comfort but you're not we're not fence sitting which is what we came to talk about today I know it's true. It's true. I love our topic actually. Yes. And um, I mean, I always love our topics, but this one's especially good. And you know, this one I can't take credit for fully because one of our friends was talking to me about it and kind of giving me some, some, some mentoring, if you will, because, you know, like uh -huh. even at 15 months of sobriety, I feel like I still need the wisdom of people from all levels on the journey oh. to help me through some of the tough, the tough patches. You know? Absolutely. I mean, dear everyone, this podcast isn't actually for you. It's a chance for me <laughs> to meet up with Elaine and keep my sobriety on point. Uh, yes, like, yes, that's this true. isn't me broadcasting my wisdom. This is me meeting up with Elaine to go, hey girl, let's talk this thing out because my sobriety is something I'm always working on. It's absolutely true. I feel like um, you know, I think the weirdest thing that threw me for a loop is like when I got to this year mark, I just thought that like everything was going to be okay. And that like the, the yeah. amount of time that I put in would just like do all the work for me. And I didn't really totally. expect to have things like cravings still. And, you know, I put my finger on it though, the last couple of days, you know, it's been like a couple of like literally two months of like, what's wrong with me. I feel kind yeah. of off. I can't quite put my finger on it. But when my friend brought up this commitment versus willpower, reminder which will be our topic for today loosely yeah you know it kind of reminded me that like I had kind of lost my commitment a little bit along the way because mm -hmm. I think that even though I've been on the sober trail like carrying the torch and doing all the things I still feel like somewhere deep down I thought that maybe like recovery and self-help and self-growth and quit lit and and all the things were going to help like cure me as a problem drinker, totally. like, like that somehow, yep. like I would rise, be above my, like my problems and my drivers mm -hmm. of drinking and that someday I will be okay and resume my life as a normal drinker, like, or that mm. I wouldn't necessarily, I didn't really want to go back to normal drinking, but I've had fantasies about, but what about vacation? I could like go on vacation, mm -hmm. do that, and then jump right back on the sober train. And then that kind of opened up the door for like all kinds of other thinking, like, oh, but yeah. if you're going to do it on vacation, then why not do it, you know, now? On your husband's birthday. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And it just made Here's the it thing. a possibility. I got to jump in. 
Yeah. When you were saying, you know, I thought that after a year I would cut, you know, done with facing these problems. And it brings me back to our conversation with auntie, where she says, you don't get to graduate. Yeah. And I think now in hindsight, I have clarity about what she meant by that. Cause you don't graduate. She's, she's getting her 15 year chip today. Yeah. And auntie and she's, you don't graduate. It's a daily, it's a daily thing. You're always, you're always working on it. It's so true. And you know, though, and I'm just going to throw this out there as a full confession that sometimes that reality like makes me a bit sad at first, or at least it did, you know, it felt like I felt this tremendous weight, like, wow, this is like, I'm going to be doing, you know, there's like this desire to like, go back to what's familiar to you, like what feels normal. Like, and you know, Mm -hmm. I spent Mm -hmm you know, I'm 45. I'm about to age up next week. Woohoo, 45. And then like, yeah, but like, um, you know, I've spent like 43, well, not 43 of those years drinking, but many of those years, 23 years drinking. So I got to understand that like, it's not all going to untangle in like a year and a half, you know, or a year and three months or whatever it is. And I still have like, it's okay if I have those things, but But back to like the commitment and willpower thing, like what I realized though, is that like I had kind of lost some of my commitment because when you bring willpower into it, like kind of dilutes like the commitment level, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I like to, I think of alcohol kind of as like a shitty egg (laughs) and it's, it's, it's this thing where you're like, okay, we're done. We are never, ever, ever getting back together. But then it's like, it's raining out, you missed your flight, you know, and you're like, oh, I just kind of want to shoot a text and just feel not so alone, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, or you're like in, in a certain neighborhood and you're like, just real quick, you know, it's, it's like that. It's like, you can't, you can't entertain anything and you, you'll never really be done. You know, you always just have to be committed to the fact that it was bullshit. Even a little bit is going to cause bullshit. Yeah. I'm done. That's how my therapist has helped me think about it as a toxic relationship, which has been useful. Yeah. And, um, you know, because I think like, even in the worst relationships, we have a sense of nostalgia about the good times. And in general- Like in life, we have such nostalgia about our youth, places we've been, places we've traveled. And sometimes we have these amazing memories and we think, if I could just get back to that, you know? And it's like we're chasing like the past sometimes. Like we can future chase. We talked about that before, like chasing happiness and really wanting to be in contentment. But I feel like sometimes, especially when you like are dealing with drinking, you do have fond memories of drinking sometimes. I do. And I think back to like this, you know, I have, I feel like what it boils down to is that, that I was feeling like I had this place in the back of my mind, in my history of drinking that I wished I could return to. And that that was undermining my commitment to sobriety, essentially. And yeah. And I don't and know you have confirmation bias too. Like yeah. you're thinking about it with rose color, colored lenses. You're not thinking about, you know, the way you feel on a Monday morning. It's true. And yeah. So like, I don't know. Um, I want to like, kind of put this under the microscope for a hot second, because I thought this was useful. Like for those people who have never read quit like a woman, it's an excellent book by Holly Whitaker. And it's like definitely an anti-AA or AA alternative thinking book. Mm -hmm. But what's really Mm -hmm. cool about the book among so many other things is she talks about willpower as like a limited resource, that it's part of like the five main functions of the prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for like decision-making, memorizing stuff, recalling incidences, you know, all the things Uh that are basically not automatic in the brain function. And like, basically throughout our course of our day, we use up our willpower by making all sorts of small decisions. And in this like, yeah. And like in this like really um, fast paced, crazy on fire, uh, yeah, we wake up, we look at our phones and we're like, boom, we don't like ease into our day. We just Mm -hmm. hit the ground running and we just basically 
when you're in early recovery or you're thinking about stopping drinking, even then you can't, it's really hard to, because you use up all your willpower by the end of the day, by making choices on like, oh, which outfit do I want to wear to impress my boss? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, which, mm-hmm. oh, should I make the healthy breakfast or the easy breakfast? And now I got to make totally. my breakfast, you know? Yep. And it's Everyone like- Everyone at the office is having a sandwich. You order a salad. Yeah. All the, all the, the elevator or the stairs. Yeah. And I never knew that. I never knew that was pretty eye-opening to me that there was like a finite amount of willpower that we have and that it just gets, it just basically gets exhausted by the end of the day. And then when we're exhausted, our willpower is exhausted. We don't have any way to like use willpower in our fight against drinking. Like if we don't have commitment, if we haven't already said like, I'm not drinking and we just leave it there. And, um, you know, then, then we're relying on willpower and that's, that's like never going to work in comparison to commitment. So, totally. and furthermore, yeah. and to put a cherry on top of that, yeah, that like the place where drinking your urge to drink lives is not in your conscious mind. Right. So right. like, first of all, you're exhausted on your finite amount of willpower, which will work for a couple weeks or whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, but then the place where drinking actually lives is in your subconscious mind. So you're, you're, you really can only fight it for so long because it's not in a conscious. Yeah. That's like a hundred percent true. And then there's, then there's, and you know, she talks about all these really amazing, it's a really, it's a must read for anyone who hasn't read it, unless you really hate F-bombs and then you probably will and hate it because she's like, there's a million F-bombs in that book, but I don't mind. Well, then you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast. <laughs> it's true. You? It's true. <laughs> you had a problem with f bombs. There's a bunch of fucking uh, f bombs in there. <laughs> yeah, quit your fucking drinking. There's let me just also add that uh, that book made a cameo appearance in the new series, the new hit HBO series, and just like that. Oh, did which it is really? a Sex in the City reboot. Yeah. One of the characters. One of the plot lines for one of the characters is uh, they're examining their excessive drinking, oh, which really? is so refreshing. Yeah, that's like a mainstream plot line in a hit TV show. And then that book, um, she ordered it on Amazon. Okay, so it's and a sh- it came in the mail. Yeah, it had like a it had a. I love how all you're doing is trying to guess. Who it is. <laughs> okay, so it's she. I know. What color hair does she have? What what millimeter heels does she normally? I wear? know. Well, and and it's also true, listeners. Just listen now from here on out because Sarah Malloy does sound an awful lot like Sarah Jessica Parker. Just saying. Oh, I'm flattered. <laughs> I love her. I'm flattered. That's cool um, though, because yeah, it's dude, since the book, that like book. it gets like a close up still, and it's like the cover of the book. Wow. And so I don't know. I don't know if they talked to Holly about it. Holly, Holly and I are on Holly Whitaker, the author of How to Quit Like a Woman. Quit Like a Woman. Yes. It's, uh, but it's, it's so in there. cool. Especially so since cool. that, that, that show was so like normalizing of drinking to me, I feel like. <sighs> yeah. So maybe, maybe there's, some, I don't know, yeah. making amends for some of that. I don't know. That's pretty yeah. cool. I'm, I'm curious yeah. who it is. Now I guess I got to go watch it. I've been meaning to watch it, but. It's good. It's good. It's, I mean, whatever. Welcome to the uh, HBO. Welcome to the podcast that reviews the show. Uh, <laughs> it, it definitely feels like they've been gone for years. Oh, and yeah. the old content and the old characters, you know, from 20 years ago, they were doing stuff that's like so not okay now. So it feels almost as if in the writer's room, they like made a list of all the things that were like, all right, we should cover this explicitly. Yeah. And so they cover like, you know, racism and the like uh pronoun what the word is pronouns thank you I was like how do I describe this I you know, heard I read stuff. about this that it all kind of felt like a little jammed in there like yeah we're, we're updating this according to like a you know a what's pc today list. yes yes and it's cool they, they're like navigating you know they're like how do we do this is this you know how, how many the certain races of people at our party are they going to be the only ones or whatever and it's like I, I don't know. I liked it, but yeah, it does feel. Like, yeah. And whatever. I mean, yeah, that's, that's cool to hear. And, you know, it's like, 
she, Holly Whitaker also talks about all these rituals, you know, in recovery that we can do early on to combat this willpower problem by like, yeah. you know, whenever we get to the five and I did all these, and I'm curious to hear what yours were, Sarah, yeah, yeah. like I did like, so I used to start to drink even as early as like two in the afternoon. And like, because, yeah. you know, I worked, I've been working for myself and, and I would, it would just be easy to do that. So, but so like, then I had this like tremendous hole from like two o'clock to like 10 o'clock that I used to drink that I had to fill with like new activities. So I started to like do walks at random times when I would feel cravings. I started to do baths, meditations, the whole yeah. thing, yeah. reading all that. And like, and um, just, you know, watching all sorts of YouTube videos about recovery or just whatever I could find. Sure. And, yeah. um, and, you know, and those are supposed to be like what takes the, you know, takes the place that like those start to help form new habits over time, essentially. And so then we don't need to lean on our willpower as much because we form the new yeah. habits then yes. the old habits kind of fall away and then we don't have to lean on the willpower. So what were your rituals? All right. you okay. So I'm going to get out my list because it sounds like we're starting. Yeah, <laughs> we are. We've been starting. Sarah's still been cobbling her shoe over here. Yeah, I got to get it. I got to get it to work. Um, okay. So I, I organized. You as as a spreadsheet. Yep. Uh, so they were talking about willpower. And then maybe we'll dip into the surrender thing, hopefully without offending too many people. Um, here's what I boiled it down to is it's a mindset. It's a mindset shift. And then inside that, there's a whole bunch of things. And one of them is in so new routines. Like I, um, I like to drink wine. I like, I used to really like to drink wine while I was cooking dinner. You know, my husband would come home and it would, we would just like celebrate that he has, he was home. Work. <laughs> yeah <Right. laughs> we're all together again it's the end of the day yeah Open red. a nice family dinner totally and it was like a festive thing you know the kids would ha were happy we'd put music on make dinner and uh I replaced that you know with like LaCroix and like fizzy water so that was like a new routine for me and then at night I mean I would like I wasn't the girl who would like not drink after dinner you know those people who are like I like to have a glass of wine while I'm making dinner and then after that I just I'm just done like obviously <laughs> that wasn't me because I'm sitting right here in front of yeah. you <laughs> um, but I would just like drink all the way until till there was no more wine left you know right. and so sometimes like after dinner we like put the kids to bed and maybe like go down sit on the couch and like watch a movie yeah and I was I brew a hot cup of tea it's it's feels like a hug I was yeah. never a tinker ever. And um, I was like, I had this ritual where I would drink a hot cup of tea before bed, you know, or we'd go upstairs on a weeknight or whatever. We'd go upstairs and like be on our phones in bed next time, which is like such a romantic ritual <laughs> 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 to bring closeness and fondness and admiration to any marriage. <laughs> but whatever, we lay next to each other on our phones and I would bring a hot cup, just feel like like I was taking care of myself, yeah. like I was slowing down, you know, you have to slow down to drink hot things. And it just, um, I think it really helped kind of get, it was a good routine and it got me that self-care vibe too. Yeah, absolutely. It's so soothing and it kind of like, you know, it does, it like calms your appetite if you're still hungry and like usually yeah. settles your tummy and makes mm -hmm. you feel good. makes your throat feel good. If you've been talking all day and all that. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, the, like the key piece of new routines is you're not just like looking for ways to fill your time. I think it's important to have like goals kind of, or just the key thing for routines is that you're moving towards something. You're not moving away from something. You're working towards something good. Not, you're not running away from something bad. Mm -hmm. and yeah, that's, I mean, that's, yeah, because I mean, and you know, not to draw everything from her book, but she talks a lot about like, and this really stuck with me, you know, creating a life that you no longer want to escape from. And that was really yeah. important to me just you know, not feeling like, okay, I've lost all, all these amazing things. Now I'm gaining all these things. And I felt totally. like that all along. It's just that, you know, what I think I didn't realize is how like little thoughts like to like weevil into your little brain mm -hmm. and they like plant a seed and then yeah. they, 
And then it starts to like, the moment you start questioning one thing, it, it allows you to question other things. And so, yep. you know, I wasn't so much thinking like, oh, I'm, I'm ready to go. I've got my armor on. I've done this. I've proved my point. I got to a year. I don't have a problem. Like I wasn't thinking any of that. It was way more um, subtle. Like, and it wasn't mm-hmm. something that I was really saying out loud, but if I'm going to be a hundred percent honest, I think that like, if I really step back and look at it, I think that I have not. I have struggled to let go with the daydream that someday I will drink again. Like I've left that back door open and now I've been trying to like close that back door and basically more or less surrender on my own terms. Yeah, dude. I, I, you know, I read a thing last night, I was kind of preparing for this and there was a thing that said, you know, if the thought of never drinking again scares you, or if you are one of those people who thinks you're quitting drinking, so that you can uh, learn to moderate, you're not ready. You're not in the right place. That's not, Yeah. it's not gonna work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I gotta add something about your little tiny thoughts. Yeah. Cause they, what, that's what they do is a little teeny tiny thought gets in and it just gains traction. It just suctions onto a piece of your brain pathway. And then it sort of like holds a spot. So. We, our old house built in 1939 and it had clay pipes, clay, the, the oh, fucking pipes were made out of yeah. clay like out terracotta. In the yard, down to the sewage. Yeah. And every like three years, the clay, just a teeny tiny, you know, they, they hold water and the teeny tiniest, uh, fish fracture. I don't know what the word is. Scientists go ahead and call in and let me know which one's right. The, the fuck, yeah. <laughs> The uh, Chinese elm tree, those things are nacious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, root is growing because the, the terracotta the pipes, root, they, they do like this. They overlap. And so there's space in between roots can get in there. Yeah. And there's even that, but there, it's a whole pipe, but there's a teeny tiny crack where a little bit of water is leaking out. And the oh, yeah. teeny tiny roots of that elm tree, they will find it. And yeah. then it's a, the smallest root will make its way in. And from that root where it finds water flowing through the pipe, it would just b- blossom and grow. We have to call the guy and you'd have to zzz, buzz yeah. saw it out. And it, yeah. that's, that's how thoughts of alcohol are. They're like a Chinese elm root in a sewer, <laughs> a sewer pipe. It feels like that. I mean, it really does. It feels like it's so surreal because it's weird to feel like I don't want to drink anymore. Just like that cognitive dissonance that, that Grace talks about so much. It's really weird to really love your new sober life, but still have a longing for something in the past. And I just think that really for me, it's about fear. It's about getting over that fear and just, Mm -hmm. and just letting Mm -hmm. go of that, you know? And I think that must happen for different people at different times. You know, I've heard people who say they've surrendered and that they're never drinking again, like on day one. And I believed them, but like, you know, for me, I just knew I had to stop drinking and I didn't really make much of a plan after that. I kind of was just to stop drinking and we'll see, you know, he says one day at a time. So then you're like one day at a time. (laughs) Yep. I, uh, I feel like that's the same with me as I was like, I'm just quitting drinking. I didn't really make a plan. I didn't know how long. I just kind of knew that I wanted a new perspective. Yeah. And what I, the gift, I'm so grateful. I allowed myself to wait for that perspective, work for that perspective, and then try to trust it and see from that vantage. You know, I wasn't just holding on to try to control like, well, maybe later I'll drink and my precious, my precious drink. You know, I was just like, I got to get a new vantage. And then I got a new vantage and I was like, I think I'm going to stick with it. I, yeah. I, I kind of like it. I kind of like it. Yeah. And like, so, I, I think it's just, it's weird. Um, you know, whenever I think about So I'm thinking about commitment. Like I made a commitment to get to the year of sobriety because I wanted to, and I basically put a stake in the ground and I was doing a year no matter what. And so Mm -hmm. all my little hurdles, I mean, you know, there were moments where I would got, I would get to like 90 days. And I remember having like some insane cravings. And I was like, well, if I'm going to quit, if I'm going to quit quitting drinking better do it now because I'm not going to want to from here on out you know like once I get into this commitment but I but I stuck to it and I knew that I wanted to see this through 
but it was weird because since I had achieved that goal, it was like the commitment that I had kind of evaporated. It was like, okay, well now what am I doing? You know, am I committing to forever, which is then a lot bigger of an ask from your brain to commit to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that whole thing about, oh, I'm going to quit quitting right now. I think that like, there's kind of magic in the tomorrow. The word tomorrow is so magic. And you know, us over here on the sunshine side, we're like, I do have a craving. You know what? I'll indulge it tomorrow. Yeah. You know, like, and I used to work at a bar. There was a sign that said free beer tomorrow. (laughs) And we're so bad at delayed gratification. Mm -hmm. And those of us who are, who have made it this far, we're like, okay, maybe I'll, maybe I'll drink. But the people who say, I'm just going to give in. I'll go back to quitting tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'm going to start fresh. Tomorrow, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to eat salad and I'm going to quit drinking. I'm going to sleep. You know, it's like tomorrow, you're going to feel the same as you kind of do now, you Mm -hmm. know? And so I think tomorrow is a a tricky thing unless you learn how to wield it. It's true. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm certainly, certainly glad that I didn't give in. Um, You know, it just made me realize that I need to recommit to myself or recommit to mm-hmm. what I'm doing and, and really just let go of a lot of things. Um, do you feel like you've surrendered Boom. this whole thing? I, I do. I, I mean, it creeps in every now and then, but I feel like married to sobriety. Like Annie Grace does that thing where she's like, when you go to a bar, you like kind of scan, you can't help but like scan the room, see if anyone's looking at you, you know, scale everybody up, see who's what. And she's like, but when you're married, you're like, I'm married. So you don't even, yeah, your brain doesn't even spend the energy right. to like look at that, to consider any of that. And so I, I would really like to say that I, I am committed to sobriety because I'm just so damn focused on all the good. Which I've is got awesome. Right. And you're exactly yeah. right. The moment you think to yourself, well, what if I wasn't married? Which one would I go with? You know, I mean, yeah. that, that, I mean, that's, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a totally different topic, but, um, but yeah, it's, you're exactly right though. When you commit to something and you don't bring those little questions in, you don't bring in, you don't invite in all that, you know, um, negative energy, all that, yeah. all that, just everything that comes in and just starts flooding in and opens up your brain with all sorts of questions and yep. messiness, you know, simply the exhaustion of having the conversation right. of the decision. You're free of that. Right. You're right. Free right. Of that. And like, I'm just going to brag. I'm in my closet right now. I, I kind of wear a uniform. I don't really wear, I, when I was a teacher, I was very experimental with fashion. And now I wear kind of like only neutral colors. I don't really wear color. I usually wear the same silhouettes, the same shapes. And like, I walk up to my closet and like, I'm not trying to think up a cra- crazy concoction. Yeah. I'm like, I know this works. I'm going with like, yep. I only all my shit I matches. <laughs> yes. I only tells one color. I, I, I am free of the exhaustion of having to make that decision. And I'd like to think that that's where I am with sobriety, that alcohol yeah. is just fading into my fucking rear view mirror. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I'm sure that's going to be encouraging to a lot of people. And, you know, because I'm I working think, on it. Yeah, right. I want to read this Holly Whitaker quote from her book about surrender. She says, okay, cool. surrender is the strongest, most sub- subversive thing you can. It takes strength to admit you are weak, bravery to show you are vulnerable, courage to ask for help. I love it. I absolutely love it because I think that one of the things that keeps people drinking is the denial of the problem. Yeah, for sure. And then they're just in this really bad place because they aren't willing to admit and be vulnerable and even just be brave enough to look at how scary it is to deal with this problem. So much easier when you're like, no, no, there's no problem. Yeah, I love to like she kind of elaborates on this whole thing. And somebody brought this up to me pretty early on in our community, um, because I have struggled this whole time with what does surrender even look like for me, you know, because the only mm-hmm. way that I had heard of surrender was in step one of the AA book. Yeah. And that version of surrender scared the shit out of me. So, you know, but 
somebody in our group said, you know, surrender doesn't have to be a sky daddy, doesn't have to be to a sky daddy. And then also surrender doesn't have to be, um, you know, one time she was talking and Holly Whitaker talks about this too. She talks about, it's not like a one-time moment thing. It's a way of existing and daily practice. And, you know, it's greater than just not drinking and has far more applications and relevance in your life. It's about like loosening your grip on control and accepting how life unfolds just as it does without trying to like herd every single aspect of your life into a neat little pretty box, you know? Totally. Yeah. And I I think that it's about humility. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think because like if you if you just let's let's just take surrender instead of it being this one moment where you take everything you've ever known out into the parking lot and you smash it into little tiny pieces and now you're just like born anew you know and you have yeah. to start over it's like it's not really like that it's like on the daily you're like I don't know everything yeah. I'm open to new perspectives I'm mm-hmm. gonna be uncomfortable for a little while and I'm gonna see I'm gonna trust the process like. To me, that's what humility. And I mean, really, like I'm, I'm starting to understand that. I'm starting to understand what surrender looks like to me more and more, and and also just that it's not like I guess I used to picture it like something bad happens in your alcohol world and you just stop and kind of fall to your knees and stop and sob and say mm-hmm. I surrender. You know, mm-hmm. that's kind of how I looked at it, like. Like you come so far, you push the limits so far that you have no choice but to stop in your tracks and give in to something else. And I, and even though I pushed it too far, I feel like, you know, thankfully, I never suffered a lot of the consequences that yeah. plenty of people do in our space, yeah. as in I yeah. never hit hit or harmed anyone. Um, I'm sure I did harm members of my family by not being present for them. I feel like I'm working on that in my recovery, but like, you know, there were, there were, I mean, I didn't, I'm just saying, I didn't do the cliched uh, rock bottom things. Thank God. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's another hang up with surrender is like, we all, because like you, when you were like, let's talk about surrender. I was like, okay, let's, but I don't think I ever really thought about it the way that, you know, you're bringing it right now. And I think that People are like, oh, well, I haven't really hit a rock bottom. Yeah. You know, yeah, I yeah. haven't gotten a DUI, lost custody of my kids, gotten fucking fired from my job for showing up drunk. Like, it's like, uh, whenever I read that you don't have to hit a rock bottom, just a crossroad, like, that's really profound. And I think it takes the drama out of it. It's like, oh, yeah. And you I are in control. Yeah. And I is actually that. taking control, it's not giving up control. I love that we, I, I love to know now, like with certainty that like, I didn't need to hit rock bottom to, or, I mean, I felt like my bottom was pretty still depressing, but like, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. because I could still see like how low it could go. And that was scary to me, but, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, thankfully that was contained within my own brain, pretty much like not, not too many other people knew what was going on there and like it didn't have mm-hmm. like external repercussions is what I mean yeah but still yet. yeah what'd you say yet yeah yet exactly exactly and that's the thing is is that um I love to know that I I'm glad I feel relieved I feel grateful that I didn't go any further and um and yeah, it's, it's, but it has, it, it did make the idea of surrender kind of tricky for me because I felt like, isn't it supposed to look like this, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I want to jump over while we're talking about surrender and control and humility, um, books. There's a book called the subtle art of not giving a fuck by Mark Manson. Nice. That book, it changed my life. Okay. Annie Grace's this naked mind changed my life. Subtle art of not giving a fuck. Totally helped me get my perspective in line. If you're if you're looking for something, this is the one for you. The 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 kernel of the book that we need to be discerning about how many fucks we have to give. Yep. And the the point of that is, you know, this concept that we always need to be happy and searching for happiness is actually harming us because we're exhausting ourselves trying to be happy when what we really need to do is accept hard truths, learn to deal, and we'll actually be a lot 
happier. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of that thing with surrender is it's like, if you can just accept the hard truth that alcohol might not be serving you, you're, you're actually more in control than when you are going, nope, 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 nothing to see here. You got the blinders on and you're like, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem because I don't want to deal with the problem. Yeah, So, absolutely. And I guess that comes to like, that brings us to uh, do the work. You got to do the work. Yeah. And you know, like, as you were talking about a little bit ago, the perspective shift, um, it is, I do find that it is a conscious thing. Like, even though alcohol and our, you know, dependency on it lives in an unconscious state of the brain, our choices, you know, some of them are conscious in this, in this recovery process. And I noticed that like some of the things that I was starting to say, um, you know, and starting to think I could see, like, it's like how, when people say when they've relapsed, they could see it coming like for months. That's kind of how I started feeling. They say that weeks and weeks and weeks ahead of time is what and that's kind of and that was starting to scare me a little bit was like okay I'm starting to see my brain shift in its logic like even I was starting to say things mm-hmm. to my therapist like well I mean I want to focus on recovery in 2022 but I don't want it to be like the whole thing because I think I wanted mm-hmm. to I think there was just part of me that just felt like man because recovery fatigue is a real thing you know oh yeah yeah And I think that like, instead of saying, you know what, maybe I've got some recovery fatigue right now and I need to just Mm -hmm. um, let some of that go, or maybe I don't need to obsess because I'm an overthinker. I've said that before. I'm one of those people who can wake up in the middle of the night and 10 thoughts will like start like bulldozing through my head and it'll be all kinds of things. It'll be like, oh, you know what? My daughter had two lemonades yesterday. She probably shouldn't have that much lemonade, you know? And then she had a boba. And then I'd be like, you know what? I need to add more pins to my Pinterest page. And oh yeah, I got to email this one client back about this. And you know what? Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I should update my blog. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the kind of shit that just takes over my brain in the middle of the night. And it's just chaos. And, um, I don't know. Like I I'm working. I don't want to say I'm working hard. That sounds weird, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to let go of some of this stuff by just thinking less. It's hard to think less. True. Totally. Totally. Um, I, I am a lot like you. I keep a notebook by my bed because I have to, I can't, I'm like that guy from memento. Uh, <laughs> oh, that let me help me good. find my keys. Yes, uh, I um, that explains the tattoos. The You're just tattooing things on your body. Remember Sammy Jenkins, yes. shave left thigh. <laughs> That's one of my favorite movies. I'll quote yes, it. Yes, I know. Um, but I have to write stuff down. I get anxiety if there's not papers and pencils around because those thoughts come and I'm like, and, and it's really soothing to write it down and be like, yeah. And now I'll I can let go it. of it. Right. Now I get my brain back. Yeah. yeah. Now I get my brain back. And, you know, I used to think like, I realized this pretty early on, but like, I think I was like using alcohol among the many reasons I was using to tame the chaos down, you know, because yeah, it is yeah, a central yeah. nervous system depressant. So yes. I was like, I loved its effects of just being able to not think about things, you know, and just a thousand of- percent. <clears throat> and I think that's like back to that mindset because alcohol is our shortcut to tamp down discomfort. Yeah. Period. In in all aspects of our life, it's our easily most readable, readily available source of dopamine. Yeah. And like the urge to drink, it's so much harder to fight the urge. And it's like the hardest thing to do is it's like if you have an itch that you can scratch, is to like let the itch play out. That's early sobriety. That's that's even now. So yeah, that's even absolutely. now. I'm about to go to a huge event black tie event I'm going to be wearing these shoes that I'm practicing in right now and like I I know I'll get in a drink I'm not perfect I didn't come here to tell you all about how how I made it to where I am dude it's a struggle for me it's not a struggle every day but I'm working on it yeah and I'm gonna get the itch and I'm not gonna scratch it because you're gonna have your like dress on and I know that fancy dresses and being dressed up nice is a trigger for you big trigger 
But you're going to go in with your mindset preloaded too, you know? Totally, totally. Like I've eliminated the dynamic of I'm fighting an urge. Like that dynamic isn't happening. It's the, it's the like, well, I don't drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, I, well, I, I'd love to get up there and fix that light bulb, but I don't fly. <laughs> I can't fly. I, it's, it's not like, oh, well, maybe what if I could find a ladder? It's like, no, 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 I, I can't, I don't. That's the thing. And you brought that, see, and that circles back to that exact point. Like you've removed the, the exhaustion away from it. Like you've totally taken the argument out of your head by just saying, I don't drink, you know, and, and you show yeah. up there and you're not showing up there because even like, I think even like when I went to Las Vegas, like last month, I was thinking, I wasn't thinking I'm going to drink, but I also wasn't going into it with, well, I'm definitely not drinking. <laughs> like, I think there were still little thoughts in my head that was like, well, I'll probably survive this, um, but we'll see. You know? <laughs> and so uh-huh. then whenever I was like in those uh, spaces where I was being assaulted with all kinds of marketing and, you know, booze propaganda, basically. <laughs> I, I started thinking like, well, you know, I mean, they're all doing it. And then, then like part of my head is like, no, oh, it's God, all of it. You're like, no one would know. Yeah. I, no you know, know. You're, you're around all these strangers, like all the things start leaking right. in. And then once one gets in, they all come in. Oh, like Absolutely. your root analogy. Another yes. one I like is, um, is, um, what's it called? The joys, the unexpected joys of being sober. She talks about how she named her, um, inner, inner drinker Voldemort. And she, and she like, and so every time she would hear it, she would be like, shut up Voldy. And she would just shut it down. Uh Like she would hear Uh the voice Mm -hmm. and she'd like, shut up, you know, but it was Mm -hmm. still there. Mm -hmm. She just knew how to shut it down, you know? And over time, yeah. Go. Oh, I was just going to say over time, she talked about like, like thinking of it like a whack-a-mole, like she would just whack the moles down into the hole bef- without even letting them like get up there anymore. So I think that that's one of the um, biggest, like when it's like, do the work when you get sober, do that mindset shift. First of all, you have to actually want to get over. Step right. one, you have to actually want it. Rule number one, you're not doing it for anybody else. And then I think that one of the keys is be able to examine your thoughts, be able to observe your thoughts, step outside of them and observe them. Just like what you name that attic voice, whack the mold, because otherwise you're just sort of at the whim of your subconscious right. messaging. And you're just like, next thing, you know, there's a glass in your, yeah. And your willpower is just toast. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so learning to observe your thoughts is that's some Zen shit, dude. Yeah. Absolutely. Start, start small. And then after a while, it's almost like you have, I'm not there, but my mm-hmm. therapist said my, it feels like my therapist, when he like talks about an ish situation playing out, it feels like he has a remote control. Like he can just put stuff in slow motion. He mm-hmm. can pause stuff and stop visions about it, you know, and I'm getting there. I don't think I have a full on remote control at all times, but sometimes I do, you know? I feel like my therapist has this way of getting me to arrive to, to a perspective by taking Mm -hmm. me around a sort of like metaphorical block. She's like taking me on a Mm -hmm. stroll and then Mm -hmm. I get there on my own, but I can see that she's been taking me. She doesn't want to tell me what to think, of course, because that's not their job, but they like to take a little tour and show you all the things and then let you come to your own conclusion, you know, by asking you, which is why we pay them the big bucks, right? I know. It's true. That's why we pay them the big bucks. All right. So you have to actually want it. You have to actually want it. I I feel like coming back to that is part of the, like my commitment when willpower comes in, you know, it's like, I wish I was drinking Chardonnay with everybody or, Oh, they're doing the champagne toast. It's like, yeah, but I want sobriety more than I want to participate in this 45 second ritual that no one will remember will fucking care about it's true i want it well and you know i don't think we i'm sure we didn't talk about this last time because we were too busy with our astrology which i which i did get some fun <laughs> feedback on it was awesome so good <laughs> but um crying is my cardio <laughs> crying is my cardio i'm a pisces everyone's like geez you laid in i'm like well i i know it well <laughs> but um 
one of one of our friends in the sober community relapsed just a little bit like she had a slip she doesn't listen to this show and uh that's fine <laughs> screw her no i'm just kidding yeah. <laughs> no but she she had eight months of sobriety and she and i talked to her pretty much on a daily basis she's one of my closer friends as well mm-hmm. in the in in this group and she mm-hmm. she had a few beers just got let the fuck it's get to her had a really horrible stressful week she had a she has a high stress job the loneliness the fuck it's you know the shame cyclone all of it and she let yeah. herself have a couple beers she decided not to beat herself up about it which was really great but yeah we did talk about how like the dialogue shift like shifted for her and she was talking about how the craziest thing was that it went from being not an option at all as a coping mechanism like I'm not going to use drinking to um, to solve my problems to then once yeah. she opened that door, you know, she was getting out of work. She started thinking, you know what? I just want a beer, you know, and then like one, she just one. On, yeah. Right. And then she was going on a date and she was thinking, you know, sake would be really great with the sushi, you know, and like so she had opened up her brain back to that old just after a few beers just after a few beers, that's all it took for the subsequent few days for that start to the roots to take, to start to creep in. And that scared the shit out of me. Like just realizing how quickly that can, that the switch can flip in your brain Mm -hmm. and you are back, like letting that in that old rationale. And then that commitment is just gone. You've lost the commitment. You've lost the momentum. And now you're back to willpower. And that scared me. And I spent like, ever since that happened, which hasn't been that long ago, maybe like a week or two, I have been doing some serious digging in my soul, trying to like, think about, you know, and it was, you know what, sometimes people relapse and you don't want to put it this way. It's like, it's not like you're not grateful for their relapse, but you learn something from it, you know, and and yeah, you know, if you're ready to listen, yeah, yeah. You, you were ready to like take her experience and like really apply it to your own and be analytical about it and spend time and like you're you're better for it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like she she and I think a lot of like we both self-deprecate, we both have a tendency for mm-hmm. self-sabotage and they have talked mm-hmm. about our experiences there. And I think like and yeah, it just scared me and I started thinking about it and um and yeah, so I've actually decided to do the 16 step program. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if, if you've heard of the six steps. What is it? So there's a 16 steps for like empowerment. You can Google it. I forget it's her, the, oh. the, the author's name is Casel, K-A-S-L. And it's, mm-hmm. um, so basically, I'll just read a couple. Um, so she just passed away this author and she had a great book that one, a member of our community um, it's called the 16 steps for discovery and empowerment. And basically, instead of the first step where it basically talks about like, you know, we need to be restored to sanity and I'm surrendering to mm-hmm. God, that sort of language in the AA. The first step in Dr. Castle's 16 steps is we affirm we have the power to take charge of our lives and to stop being dependent on substances or other people for our self-esteem and security. And the rest of the steps talk about decisions to become our authentic selves, trust in the power of the truth. It's a lot more like organic than like the God mantra of AA. Yeah, Yeah. and, And it's definitely written from from the perspective of the fact like that, that, you know, we're in a, um, you know, hierarchical patriarchal society. And it's written from that perspective, taking in like the marginalized, um, groups of society. So I think that's awesome. Say it one more time, what it's called. It's called the 16 steps for discovery and empowerment. And it's by her, her author, the, the author of this book, her name is Dr. Casel, K-A-S-L. And, um, Yeah. And it's really, it's really cool. She basically just uh, wrote a whole book, uh, reinterpreting the steps, um, for just, you know, a more, um, broader approach. So, um, I'm actually going to do them. And, but what was cool, this is the point. The point is like, I was like, I don't know, what do I need to do? I wasn't feeling like, Oh, I need to do something, but I was kind of feeling like that I needed to like, uh, maybe have a different, 
I needed to be more open, right? Like if I'm having yeah. a hard time surrendering, if I'm, if these things are starting to permeate my mind, maybe I do need to be more open-minded to other things and to, to let my recovery involve in a different way. So yeah. I'm going to do the 16 steps through somebody who's done the 12 steps before, and they're going to cool. help me like guide me through, but I'm not going to like attend AA and all that. But what was really cool is that after I decided to do this and I had like a conversation with this person about, I actually got kind of emotional because yeah. just the idea of like letting go of some of these, like these things that I'm still holding on to it was like all these tears were coming out of my face. And I, I gotta say they weren't sad tears. They were like relief, like, like feeling like I'm moving toward like truth versus fear. And, you know, like, cause like, I kind of feel like I can't go back anymore. That's one thing I've come to certainty. Like I can't go back to that old way of living. I won't do that. So it's like, you know, the only way out is through, you know? So it's yeah. So it's like, I'm just trying to do something else that helps like let this stuff go because, you know, otherwise, you know, it's just like the little roots. They're just going to hang out there. You know, yeah. it's fine for me. Like I'm open enough to explore some sort of step program to see whether it's helpful to me. And if it's not, I'll quit at step five. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. Here's the thing. Let's just lay it out here. AA has helped millions and millions of people get sober. Yeah, for sure. Like it does work. It's valuable. It, I mean, it was written like, I think in the is, you know, and so it's outdated. It is outdated, but there's there, it, it did help millions of people get sober. This uh, 16 steps to enlightenment and discovery, self-discovery. Mm -hmm. I just think it feels like the more like updated, version you know without yeah. the gluten without <laughs> without the the, the patriarchy <laughs> yeah yeah and it's it's not sick with that mono stick or whatever you know it's just like you your higher power can be kind of whatever you want it to be right and i think that's awesome about your friend um who kind of thought oh maybe i can just have one it i don't know a lot about aa i know a little bit about it because my does it it got her sober it's what she does you know um but um i think one of the first steps is that we admit that we're powerless right to alcohol and i i think that there's something to that because it's yeah. like alcohol is a battle i am not gonna win so i'm not gonna fight that battle like it's like what do they say like <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna i'm gonna take a i'm gonna do an analogy i hope it matches okay do it it says like never Never argue with a stupid person. It's like wrestling a pig where you just get <laughs> muddy and the pig has all the fun. <sighs> and like, that's how it like taking on alcohol is. It's like, I just look stupid and alcohol has all the fun. Like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to try it. I can't, I won't. I'm, I am powerless. Yeah. And you know, like I, that's exactly the, the part like that's exactly the relief that I was feeling last night was kind of admitting that to myself and kind of, I was kind of like, is this my weird ass version of surrender crying in my closet? Cause I'll go into this closet that I'm recording in and I'll put my headphones on, I'll sit on pills and I'll do a little meditation in my closet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, is this what this is? But you know what? So one of our uh, one of our wise men in our community that you and I belonged was mm -hmm. talking to me about this difficulty people have with the powerless thing, which I agree yeah. with because. All right, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. And he says, he said, referred related to this. This is in an email he sent directly to me that we were talking about this topic. And he said, related to this is the discomfort of step one. Many people do not want to utter the phrase. I was power yet powerless. Yet, honestly, mm -hmm. if we were not powerless on some level, we would not be in this recovery process. Mm -hmm. The point for me is that we need to admit our powerlessness before we can find the power through connection, especially to work on our sobriety. And I just thought, and he said, like, it's a passage, mm -hmm. not a static statement, you know, that's often misunderstood. And like, just that, just even like that person putting that toward me, like you have to 
find your, you know, you have to admit powerlessness to find your power. That's just cool to me. Like I can, you know, I'm not so big and thinking of myself also mighty that I can't realize that there are powers greater than myself, you know? Totally. Totally. And I think that I, I come back to the thing that when you surrender, when you admit that you're powerless, it actually puts the power back in your hands. And you don't even have to like surrender or admit that you're powerless. But when you go, I'm going to do something different, this category, Mm -hmm. you're totally taking back the power, you know, and by saying, you don't want to admit that you're powerless. It's like, if you're simply examining what doesn't serve you and you're like dismissing it from your life, that's, that works too. (laughs) Well, and I don't know how much you felt like this or not, but, um, you know, my biggest thing with this whole, with the powerless notion and admitting that was like, I think I used to think when I would struggle with my, with my alcohol dependency, I used to have this dialogue in my head, which was, which went something like, I'm too smart for this. I can figure my, I can think my way out of this. Like I can be smarter than this. All I need to do is have more discipline, more willpower. That's what Mm -hmm. I need. I need more willpower, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And it's, that's just, that's such a false notion to think like if I only had more willpower, you know, because it's like that only triggers all kinds of shame, but it's like, it's, I think what I'm realizing, it's like, it's okay that we like, you know, that we couldn't handle a terrible substance. Like why is, you know, like it's okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Why did it have to be, why I'm asking myself that a lot. Like, why did it have to be a struggle of power? Like, why did it have to be, I can defeat this? Like, why did I need to defeat that war? Like who cares just to show myself that I could continue on like the best of them, like that I'm equal with all those other people who are still sucking it back. Who cares? Totally. Totally. Um, you know, what's crazy. I I don't, I met a woman, I went to go measure, uh, uh, I met a client and, um, she mentioned that she doesn't drink. She has this cool, she bought this house and there's this really neat like sidebar in the kitchen and it's so neat. And she's like, I don't drink, but it's still beautiful. And I was like, I don't drink. And then we got going on it. And she was talking about how she um, started with Overeaters Anonymous and then she went to AA. And I think, you know, alcohol, we can just eliminate from our lives. We can go, goodbye. Yeah. (laughs) You know, see you in the rear view. (laughs) no those people have to learn to like moderate or they have to, I don't know what they depend on because willpower, like Demi Moore said that when you have an eating disorder, it's like taking your pet lion for a walk three days, three times a day. And so, I mean, I'm not saying that like we have it easy or whatever, but it's just this thought that came to me when you were talking about making it about willpower and how shameful we feel when we can't keep up the willpower. Cause that's, that's where I use willpower almost every day is just sugar, yeah. stuff like that. Sugar. I don't have the sour patch kids here today. I was Damn thinking it. about those little guys. <laughs> I still have the whole bag. I want you to know. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, oh, see, I'm the kind of person that's like, I need to, I need to stop eating this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to finish this bag <laughs> and then it'll be gone. <laughs> it's true. It's true. That's how I stop eating them is I eat them all. Um, let's, do, do we feel like diving into the whole, like, I'm an alcoholic thing? Yeah, if you want. I mean, I, I, yeah. Do you feel like you say that to people? I have said it. Uh, I, I, I go both ways on it because I don't know if I agree with introducing myself as an alcoholic, uh, mm-hmm. at a meeting, you know, every time I meet with the group of people who are helping me, which I don't do, I don't go to those meetings, but I don't know if that would serve me personally in my sobriety because, well, but I also, I also understand why they do it because they, you need to be accountable for this thing that, you know, you're changing your life about, but, um, you know, there's no cigaretteaholics. There's no methaholics. It's like, I feel like I'm only an alcoholic when I'm drinking, you know, and I talk about how I probably was an alcoholic and people go, no, you weren't. And I go, well, uh, I definitely lied on those papers you fill out before the doctor's office when they ask you how much you drank a week. So <laughs> yeah. if right, that's, if sure. that's normal drinking, my drinking was beyond normal. What do you think about the whole, just like the meaning of like, I'm an alcoholic, alcohol. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of side with you. I don't really like to identify myself that way. Maybe, maybe I will one day. Who knows? I do recognize that um, whenever I disassociate myself with the with the idea of alcohol, like right, we can we can discuss the semantics all day long about like yeah. what is an alcoholic? We don't drink anymore, and wait, we're not that because we don't drink yeah. anymore. So there's that whole what the fuck about it. And so yeah. there's that problem semantically me <laughs> like, but the totally. other thing is, is like, I just, I don't like to, to identify like, so, right. I don't want to identify with other people's stigma of an alcoholic because I am my own. I have my own dependency issues with alcohol uh, have in the past. And I'm, I'm in recovery. I identify as a person in recovery from alcohol, not an alcoholic because I think that it is different, like, because it's, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like, I'm identifying with a stigma, like other people's, like the popular notion of what an alcoholic is. And I hate that. Like that's just up for tearing, tearing apart, you know, you kind of love being identified with the yeah, stigma. Or... I, I kind of bring it up sometimes certain situations. If people are talking about my drinking, I'm like, yeah, I was an alcoholic. Like yeah. I had a very unhealthy relationship with alcohol and I love, I love the way they clear glowing skin yeah. and my organized schedule and my healthy happy <laughs> balanced children and they go wow look at and they and yeah. they try to imagine me they kind of blur their eyes and they try to yeah. see me <laughs> in a gutter with a paper alcoholic. bag <laughs> yeah and like I don't know I I kind of wear it as a badge of honor like, and I'm... I think that's awesome and I feel like I do too in my own way in recovery but like like, cause I have no qualms about being like, I'm a person in recovery, but like, it's just to me, like, and I do feel like I identify with what the, like as a person who was dependent on alcohol, because mm -hmm. if I didn't, then I would be able to let those roots grow in. So, you know, it's like, yeah. I gotta, I gotta understand and know deep down that if I return to that, that's always going to be a problem for me. So, yeah. you know, like, so then in that case, I guess I'm an alcoholic, you know, call me what you want. Yeah. But like, yeah. I just don't, I think that like, it's about whether it feels good to the person for you. It feels like a badge of honor for me. It feels a tad demeaning if I were to say it to people and that's yeah. me and how it feels when it comes out of my mouth, like for me yeah. to stand in recovery or I don't drink and to to shape it that way feels a little bit better to me, but maybe that's just because I'm a sensitive gal too, you know? Like yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't like the, the, I like, if I look at someone and I think they're processing like judgment about me, it will fuck me up, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I obviously care what people think about me. Okay. Mm -hmm. I obviously do. I'm wearing makeup right now. Like <laughs> I obviously care, but I also kind of, in something like that, like they're the ones with a drink in their hand who are probably waking up at three o'clock in the morning, you know, yeah, for sure. And like yeah. I've decided to like take my drinking seriously. I've decided to like actually want sobriety and like, there's no way that I could be the situation. Yeah. And I love like the tagline or the subhead of Holly Whitaker's book, like the rebellious act to not drink or yeah. whatever it is. And I totally agree with that. It is ballsy and to, and told an act of rebellion and counterculture to not just mm -hmm. do to pony up to the bar and, and be shackled there and to get your mm -hmm. two for one mm -hmm. happy hour drinks and to just do the same routine, hit repeat all day long, all week long. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I think about all the shit that I've done the last 15 months, it's more than I did in the last five years combined, you know, like from a self totally. professional, personal totally. perspective. So it's like, awesome. I feel great. And, but you know, it's like, when I think about like, and so it's like weird, like, how do you wear that badge of honor? Like, but yet still identify, use a word that has carries around so much stigma. That's the hardest part for yeah, me. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think I really do think it's up to every single, and that's why like maybe AA doesn't work for everybody because it's like, you have to find your own path in this. Like you have to want it. You have to take it seriously. And your commitment looks a little bit different. You know, like I have tattoos all the way up my arm. They look great by the way. That's, I got, a, I got an eyeball on my elbow. Yeah. And it's like, 
I wear, you know, my sobriety differently. I, I wear my marriage differently. Like, you know, like the things that you commit to and like the work that you in the dark, you know, when looking, that's all like such a personal choice and you take it seriously. You got to want it. And if you're doing it the right way, then you're like Elaine and I, where you're like constantly growing and finding new things. It's not like I'm going to get sober boom. And it's this like flat trajectory. It's like a year in a year plus in, and you're like having these crazy realizations about how much work there still is to do and what path you're going to take for it. You're crying in your closet. You're crying in your closet. (laughs) Who knew? But that's okay though. And that's, that's like part of, that's the greatest thing about the surrender on a, on a greater scale is like, you know what, all this stuff is okay. Like, you know, like just being okay with like things that aren't feeling okay and like mundane and just kind of like being, being able to sit with these emotions and not just totally numb them down. Like it's, that feels like the best thing ever. This is so hard. Like when I talk about, like, I have profound feeling of connection for every single person in recovery. Like when I meet somebody like newer old to me and I know they're in recovery, I'm like, I feel like an instant bond with them because I just know how much they've been through, how hard this is. Whether and how hard they're working and how they're committed. You guys are, we're all this one thing that's like so personal that really it brings us together for sure. Yeah. Because even if you Um, have like 10 days or something, like it's still, you've made that really hard choice every day to say no to, you know, when your sister-in-law is coming in with the two bottles of wine, Hey, let's have some drinks. And you say no to that. That is ballsy, you know? Yeah, it is. It takes real bravery and courage. And, you know, and then somewhere along the line, you get to 15 months, you get to how many days you got girl. I I'm approaching 600 days like in the next couple of weeks, I think. Yeah. And I just love it. I love it. And I can't, I I just can't wait to see what tomorrow holds. And I think somebody put a quote up that said like, here's the thing, like, and you've said it too. Like I've been drinking. I've tried that for all the, all the aspects of life. I've applied alcohol and I know exactly what happens. It's super predictable, but in sobriety, like there's some unpredictability and you're crying in your closet, but it's like so beautiful. And you back to when you said like accepting hard truths or uh, just sitting with uncomfortable feelings, like that's the real samurai Zen shit right there. That's, that's when you're like mastering your, your universe is when you can sit with something that's kind of ugly and go, I can handle this. Yep. That's the sober baddies way. That's the sober, that's the sober baddies way. That's right. Oh. We'll be manufacturing our line of samurai swords here. <laughs> Free sales at sober baddies at gmail. Uh-huh. Yeah. A lot of other podcasts have merch like water bottles, you know, we're going to do stilettos and samurai swords. swords. And slippers. There we go. Slippers for Iska. Yes. Slippers, stilettos, and samurai swords. Get your sober baddies merch. All my whole shoe wardrobe, they're all like uh, flats. (laughs) I have like one heel. They're all sneakers and toms and they're nothing. Yeah. They're all utilitarian. (laughs) I'm practical too, but I also like to, and I've been wearing these the whole time and they... (laughs) Don't hurt yet. But I'm- <laughs> oh, it was, great. it was great chatting with you. Stay in this the community, awesome. people. Yeah, yeah. Rock on. Just commit. Be intentional. Want it and do the work. Well, I guess that's all for today. I'm yeah, yeah. Sarah Malloy in her fantastic closet. And I've been here with Elaine Skyler Neal and her fantastic closet. And you have been hanging with the sober baddies. <laughs>